being, uh, not letting the devil get you off by yourself, uh, not thinking that you could do better on your own. You know what I mean? So, and then even Saturday uh, when I preached, the Lord gave me another message, and it was kind of similar. It was about going out and holding yourself accountable to those around you and challenging those around you to hold you accountable. If you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to preach a Jesus that can heal, a Jesus that can save, a Jesus that can set them free from addiction and all that, then you have to be the proof. Amen? So the Lord's been dealing with me about this unity, about bringing the body together. And it seems like every message I have is about the body becoming one. And today was no different. As I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, uh, I know I can't do it. You know, uh, it's going to have to be you. And here I'm really down to short notice now. Uh, at least on Sunday, Lord, you give me Sunday morning to kind of Saturday night to get everything together. But today, Lord God, I have an hour and a half to be with you. So you're going to have to download whatever you want from your people. And I believe that God, when you come to show up, he has a word for you. Uh, no matter if I can just read off the horizon uh, brochure here. I believe if you came from a, for a word of God, you'll get something off there. I believe that. Because God don't let his people down. I mean, if you make the trip into his house, especially if you fight the fights, the battles to get in here, and you don't think you're going to get a word, you're mistaken. If you can get through all that to get into here, you have a word coming. Amen? How many believe that tonight? Now, I preached a little bit about this a long time ago because this, you know, I usually preach what I deal with. You know, and I didn't realize it. And I started reading a book here. Uh, some of you younger adults might have heard of it. It's from C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And as I got into this, I realized, because I tell you, even Saturday, if you was here, I dealt, I dealt with the problem of being youth pastor. Uh, for a while, it felt so uncomfortable for the kids to even call me their pastor. Because I, feel like, I felt like I didn't deserve that title, you know what I mean? I, I, I felt like I wasn't worthy of it. Even though I'd done all that, it's just, it, it, to me inside, it's just, I don't know if it's my past sins or what. I just didn't feel like I deserved it. And, or maybe I, I just... You know, uh, how do I put this? Uh, I didn't, maybe I didn't earn it, you know what I mean? Even though I went through both uh, youth pastors, I was assistant for the last two youth pastors, the devil has a way of just making you feel like you just don't belong. I mean, you can have all the track record, you can have all the degrees and everything, and he'll still make you feel this small. And you'll be overqualified, but yet you don't feel like you qualify. Amen. So I dealt with that, and then when I got in this book, and, and he got on, uh, you know, Christianity and, and the law of nature, human nature, and I realized we're all qualified to be a pastor in somebody's life, because all I do when I come up here, I preach what I deal with, and I realize we all deal with the same thing. Nothing has changed. From generation to generation, we're going to deal with the same problems. The devil's going to have the same tricks. Why? Because he knows they work. Why? Because he knows he's dealing with the same people over and over. So what I do is I just preach things I go through, and I hope they relate. So uh, bear with me. If you don't get anything out of this, just praise God that he is helping me. Amen? And I can become a better man. Oh, you need that because I'm over your children. Hey, I'll send them home rotten as ever. Come on now. You need somebody who fears the Lord to be over your children. That way when they send them home, Hopefully they honor and respect their mother and father, amen. 
It's one of the laws. Amen. So when I was praying, I said, Lord, you know, I need a word. And he kind of took me back. Uh, I did a sermon a long time ago because I dealt with pride. And it, it, it kind of caught me off guard because I had nothing really to be proud about. I mean, I grew up with no education. I mean, I dropped out of school. You know, uh, I was reading through an old uh, transcript and everything. It was, it was basically my life in a folder this thick. Whenever they decided I'm never going back to school, they released that file to me, and it's about this thick. And I remember it because it was uh, about 2002, 2003 when they released it to me. And I'm reading through this, and, I mean, it, my heart. You remember that, Rose? She's back there nodding. I was so ashamed, so hurt of, of my life being wrapped up in this. And it was just trouble after trouble. It was counselor after counselor, footnote after footnote of how... I mean, they, I was destined to either be killed or in jail. And everyone knew it but God. <laughs> Come on. And I'm thankful for that, amen. How many thankful that God knows? He, hey, he's not shocked whatever you're going through. He knows that there's something greater going to come through whatever fire that you're walking through right now. And he's in there with you. So as I'm reading through this and I'm going over, you know, and I'm looking over my educational background and, and how they're saying, well, he has a reading like a fifth grade math, you know, uh, a sixth grader. And it's going through this. And here I am, 20 years old, or at, at, at the time I was 22 years old, I'm looking at it like, oh, my God. But yet, as I grew, you know, as I grew and, and started seeking towards God, I never realized I dealt with pride until pride became an issue. Until pride started robbing me of certain blessings. Because I couldn't grow because, and I, I didn't realize it, like I said, you know, I spent most of my uh, middle school hiding in gangways. Vacant buildings. Skipping. Getting high. Kind of just occupying the day until it's time to go home and hopefully they didn't call my aunt. I remember even in eighth grade, I had one teacher tell me, Rob, if you don't make it here, I will not call your aunt no more. Because I caused her so much problems. She said, if you won't come, I won't call. Would it be agreed? Hey, we, she honored her deal, and I honored mine. You know, I never went back. You know. So as I'm reading that, and I'm starting to realize that how can a guy who, who reads all that, what do I got to be proud about? You know what I mean? Everything in here shows me what this flesh is about, but yet here I'm trying to hold this flesh up to a higher standard. So I dealt with that, and I preached about it. And, and then when I was talking with God earlier today, and for this hour and a half, he started putting scriptures into my heart, and I just started flipping through them, and Rose came in there, and I shot her a look like, hey, it's me and Jesus. And, and she, she got the look, and she left. I don't know if it was me and Jesus or me or the devil, but she left pretty quick. Uh, maybe she went and prayed for me. Uh, but I want to start out here in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 14. And it says, where no counsel is, the people, fa people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And when the Lord gave me that scripture, I'm like, Lord, I done, I, I done preached on uh, unity. I done preached on, on uh, the, how the devil likes to put us off by ourselves and how you tell us to, to leave the 99 and go to one. And, Lord, even Saturday, Lord, I preached about how we need to be more accountable to those around us. We need to be more accountable in our workplace. We need to start telling people, listen, if I do what I say not to do, call me out. And here you are, you're taking me back, and you want to talk about pride. I didn't find where it related at the beginning. But as the Lord started speaking to me, hopefully you can see how pride is going to bring us all down. 
So in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The sin of pride. Preoccupation with yourself. The sin of pride is preoccupation with yourself. It is thus very the sin of pride, uh, excuse me, the fitting that the middle letter of the word is I in pride. It's all about me, myself, and I. Now I can see why pride will set us apart. Pride would keep us alone. And I'll fill you in as we go. So even as the world, pride is centered upon, upon an I, the, the word sin itself is also centered upon the word or the letter I. Satan's amenity uh, uh, against God begins with I. And so it is with us, if you are preoccupied with yourself, you are suffering from the sin of pride. The reason why I wanted to touch on pride, because as I went through the Bible and the Lord started saying, listen, Rob, if you're dealing with pride, chances are you're alone. Okay, I can see it, Lord, because it's all about me. I, I can see where you're going here. But it's until I, it, it, I recalled uh, what I read in uh, one of C.S. Lewis here, and I want to share it with you. There's a, a couple sentences here I want to bring, uh, bring out here. The first one is, he says, Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's about me, not about you, God. And we, we, we all know that God does not share his glory with no one. There is no God beside him, not one. There is no other God before him, nor there will be one after. There is just God. So here he's saying that pride is is an anti-state of mind uh, against God. And he continues on here. It says, pride gets no pleasure, or pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer and clever and better-looking than others. If every one of us become equally rich, equally uh, clever or good-looking, there would be there'd be nothing to be proud about. So it's about competing against one another. It's about, it's about sizing you up. Where do I stand against you? And then I started thinking, this goes all the way back from the beginning of school when, you know, as, as sports and everything, we're always competing. We're always sizing ourselves up. Our generation, or my generation, and, and from what I can read, it dates all the way back to our, our, our father, Adam, that pride has been one of the sins. See, I always prayed against addiction, the sin of my father being passed down. I always rebuked it because I was afraid that the sin of my father would not only skip me, but maybe go down to my sons until I broke the curse. I was afraid of the sin being passed down. Not realizing that there's a sin that is more dangerous than any addiction that I ever went against that is being passed down from father to son, from father to son, all the way down to our generation. And this is a sin that has started all the way back to the beginning before man. Before man. And this is why. 
In Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of uh, congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I've been battling against the wrong addiction, the wrong sin. Because I have looked and I can find sins, not necessarily about the addictions of drugs, but I can find sins about addictions of putting things before God and becoming slaves to those things. See, we like to sing and dance that we are free, but we're not free. See, we were bought with a price. I mean, the ownership has been transformed to God. He has papers on us. But yet, we try to live free from the sin, but yet free from God. There's no such thing. It's something that we like to hope for. If you believe in that, you might as well believe that we all evolved from some other creation. Amen? If you believe that. Because believing that gives you some sense of, hey, there's a higher power, but yet it's inside all of us. We don't have to sing and say, it's God, it's Jesus, you know, it's me. Uh, I'm whatever I, I, I want to get out of this. If I want to do this, if I want this, then I'm my own God. Amen. So Lucifer had this problem of pride, I. And it's, it, it don't surprise me as soon as Lucifer fell and God decided to replace him with uh, Adam. And as God replaced him with Adam and brought Eve, and all of a sudden he had this family that he always desired, it don't surprise me that Lucifer would come and use what brought him down. So how did he do that? Well, he, he came to Eve, and it was in Genesis 3. Remember, it was, the, it was the sin of pride which first led Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. In Genesis, we read uh, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Ye have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And I'm reading on the NIV, so it might be a little different, but just... Correct me if I'm wrong and help me if I mispronounce something here. Uh, For God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, he's speaking to something here. He just brought out the eye in her. Before, remember, or if you go back a few verses, it was all about God. God said this. God said that. He said, I can have this. God said, I can have that. All of a sudden, he got her attention when he said, you. And she said, me? Myself? I? Oh, I can be like God? Oh, hold on. I had this all wrong because this whole time I was thinking of God. And God said, and God did, and God, God, God. So he got, he got her attention with the word, you. Yourself. I. I. I can be like the most high. And we know the story from there. She grabbed, she ate, she shared with Adam. From that moment, pride has entered the DNA of man. The same pride that brought down Lucifer is now in the bloodline of man. 
And you can continue this flow, this pride that has been causing destruction. Let's go to uh, Cain and Abel. I don't have it here, but we know the story here. Cain and Abel, uh, Abel offered a sacrifice. It was better than Cain's. So what did Cain do? He got this eye mentality, this, this jealousy, and he rose up and he killed his brother. And he passed it down, pride. And it went from generation to generation. Each and every one of us is going to come face to face with this horrible word called pride. And pride is going to set you off. Pride will connect you with every other sermon I have ever preached because you will be alone when it becomes I. No one wants to be around a person who tries to take everything and give nothing. Nobody wants to be around a person that likes to size you up to make sure, not that you're being prosperous, not that you're growing in Christianity or you're growing in life, but they want to make sure that you're not as growing as fast as them. Amen. So it can be pretty dangerous being around somebody who is really proudful because they can only take you so far. Because then once you get up to their level, all of a sudden pride's really going to kick in and it's really going to show its teeth. And how many have ever had a dagger in their back by somebody that they really loved, that thought they loved them? Maybe you rose up a little bit too high too fast. Maybe they just dealing with pride. Amen. So the Lord keeps dealing with me about unity, about bringing things together, and, and the power and strength that we could have if we can all become one body, if we can all just grab a hold and get behind the pastor and line up and say, Pastor, you hear from the God, God pass it down. Hey, we're just going to fall suit, we're going to follow you, we're going to trust in God, and we're going to watch this thing take off. If we would surrender our pride and say, hey, it's not the man I'm following, it's the God in the man, and we begin to just go with him, this atmosphere will change. This building will grow. Those blocks will get filled. But because of pride, we pull back. He's just a man. He sins. Uh-oh. That sounds like pride to me when you start measuring things, when you start, hey, where do I stand against this guy here? Do you remember when God first called you? You didn't ask who, who, who did what. You didn't care. You knew what you did, and you knew what God did for you. Nothing else mattered. It was about you and God. But as we walk and as we grow with God, for some reason, this little, this little uh, uh, tumor we have called pride begins to grow inside us, and it shows its face. I tell you again, I had nothing to be proud for. I deal with pride a lot, and I don't even know why. Maybe because in South St. Louis, that's all you had. You know what I mean? We had nothing but pride. We didn't have money. We didn't have anything. We had pride, though. I mean, you said something we, you know. Well, there's a difference. I mean, confidence is, is, is where you stand and making yourself better. Pride is where you stand against another. And, and, yeah, I can see how you can muddy the water because the only way to tell where I stand is to measure against someone else you know I wouldn't measure myself against somebody who is six foot four I find somebody a little shorter they're out there don't look at me like they ain't out there they're out there there's people shorter than me out there I know some of you are like Rob ain't gonna happen no they're out there I've seen them my wife points them out to me all the time they, they don't they don't have no knees or anything you know what I'm talking about babe she said one day I'm gonna run off with a midget on her you know I, I just it ain't that, you know, babe, they're a midget or, you know, if you want to be short people or, or little people, whatever you want to call them, it's just that I'm taller. You know? 
I don't get mad at somebody six foot four like that guy that was six foot eight in there bragging. I didn't call him out. But pride, for some reason, pride sinks in. And pride always comes in right before we're about to get everything the devil stole from us. We start measuring where we're at. That's hard to do. Because think about it. If the Lord has already promised you things, and he's about to give you 10, 30, 100 fold, and you're measuring people where you're at now, you are robbing yourself. Because you turn God off because what you're doing is you're seeking the world's, uh, uh, you're seeking their, their glory. It's like praying out, how, how he talks about praying out in the streets and I'm using all these fancy words. He said, listen, you already got your reward. You know, if you walk up to the, the offering plate and you hold that $100 up in the air and you give it a wave a couple times, Brother Mike, before you drop it in there, there's no blessing attached to that. You already got it. Whatever I seen it, whatever I said. That's your reward. You rob yourself because you let pride sink in. So anytime, that's why he says do it in secret. And, you're, and, you're, and the Lord will reward you in secret. You can't be proudful and, and keep it a secret. How do you do that? You want more, more. And it becomes this virus. And he continues, and I just want to share one more, one more line here. It says, nearly all things evil in the world which people put down to greed and selfishness are really far more the result of pride. I want what you have. Not because I don't have it, because I want more. Listen, I, I dealt with addiction my whole life. And the problem with addiction is I always wanted more. There was, it was never enough. That's why when somebody tells me, oh, Brother Rob, you know, weed, it grows from the ground, it's almost, no, 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 no. So I want to continue here. Uh, and it continues. Okay, so we went from Adam and Eve. We, we jumped over to Cain and Abel. And a, as the children, a, a, as they begin to grow, it even goes into Exodus. And I want to share this with you. It's in chapter 5, verse 2. And it says, But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Search the Bible, and you'll find pride in about every great man of God or a, any, anyone that God used uh, to, to show how powerful or how great he is has dealt with pride. And a lot of the times when he turned, when he turned these people over, he used pride. He just let, let their pride just run wild. And what, what brought me to this, and I kind of, I, I kind of backtracked because I wanted to build to it, was... Like I told you, I've been going through some things this week, you know, uh, making the transition. Any time that it seems like I'm called to the sawmill, it's, it's a bad deal. And as soon as I get there, everyone turns against me because it's a bad deal. I'm even there. So when I'm there, bad things happen. And. That's why I told Dad, I don't know how I've been called to do this, but me showing up there, I had to let five people go. You know how hard it is to look five people in the eye and say there's no work? You got to let them go. Some of them have been there almost a year. Others have just got there. And then the ones that are there, you're telling them that they got to work harder. 
smarter, longer hours to increase profit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have to work longer because you just let go half your help. <laughs> so I have to work longer and harder. So I've been dealing with things, and I'm thinking, Lord, what, what, what am I supposed to get out of this? Because I have learned a long time ago that we have to ask the question, why? Without the why, you'll never get why you're in that fire. Why are you going through these things? The Lord just don't do things because it's fun. He does it to lift us up. He, he does it to strengthen us, to grow us to something better. And your why is connected to a bigger why and a bigger why. And it never stops until you get to that place where it's just you and Jesus. And he, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Until that day, your why is constantly going to grow. So I was asking the Lord, why? Why? Because I know it didn't shock him. I know it's no surprise that, that here I am being squeezed all around me. And I even question if I should even be there. I mean, work in general. Can I be honest with you? I'm wondering, Lord, am I not called to do this anymore? Uh, here, you, you, you blessed me with this. Is it time to move on? You know how hard it is when you're blessed to, to know the difference between holding on to a blessing that is about to spoil and letting go and grabbing a bigger blessing? You know what I mean? Has anybody ever been there? I'm at that moment in my life where I'm, I'm in a struggle with do, the Lord bless me this, right? Then why do why do I don't that's why I don't want it. You know what I mean? Why do I want something something over here? Is it my flesh? Is it the spirit? Is this blessing which just to get me to where I'm at now and it's time to let go and grab something bigger? Is it sacrifice greater reward? You know where I'm going here? And then he brought me to uh, Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. And this has been a, a, a child's story, and you probably heard it over and over. But there was a prophecy in Isaiah, and I believe it was in uh, chapter 49. It talked about how Israel will be overtaken. And the, whoever overtakes Israel, which is the Babylonians, they will capture some of the Israelites, and they will take them with them. And they become prisoners. Okay. And in Daniel, the prophecy came true. King Nebuchadnezzar took, uh, took over Israel, captured, took a couple, uh, Daniel and a couple of his friends. Anybody know the name of the friends? Exactly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. Now, the reason why I can relate with them right now is because when I fell upon this earlier today, I was reading this, and I'm thinking, okay, these guys are going through some things right here, you know. Here they've been called out. First, they've been blessed, all right. If you don't know the story, the king called them in. He wanted uh, to pick the finest of the Israelites that he captured. Here's the four guys. These are the ones. They're bright. They're intelligent. They're good looking. Everything's working out for them. They are blessed and highly favored. So what does he do? He sets them off for three years, and he feeds them. But, you know, he feeds them and all that. They decide to go with uh, the fruits and vegetables. You probably know the story. But they get to a point. Where now all of a sudden, you know, they run into a conflict here. They was blessed. They was put over a, a certain region and everything. But then all of a sudden they was asked to bow to a false god. They was asked to bow to a statue. So here they are. They're like, okay, Lord, you, you just blessed me. And you put me in a position I'm in. But now I'm about to jeopardize this, this position because this king here has killed people just at a win. If he didn't like you, you're dead. He killed all the wise men in Babylonia because they could not tell him the dream he had last night. 
and he wouldn't give him a hint. He said, oh, king, uh, tell us about this dream. We'll tell it for you. He said, no, 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 no. You tell me what dream I had. Oh, no one can do this. Well, he sent out word to kill them all. Kill them all. Except David, or Daniel, prayed to get this dream revealed. But the reason why I wanted to touch on these guys here, because here they was blessed. They were moving to a position that had to show the favor of God because it even goes back where he says, Dan, uh, where uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, your God is because of your God. He has to be the God of all gods in order to reveal my dream to me without me telling you. Not only reveal my dream to me, but to tell me the meaning of the dream. Your God is a God. And then just a half a chapter later, he builds this statue and wants everybody to bow to his God. And when they don't, what happens? He throws them into the fire. And that's where I'm at right now on my walk. So if you're there, I want to I build you up because the Lord spoke to me and he said, listen, Rob, I knew it. Just as Isaiah prophesied that Israel will be captive and these young men will be uh, taken as prisoners, just like I knew that they would... Uh, be blessed and put over the region there just like I knew that they was going to stand bold for their faith and just like I knew they was going to be tossed in the fire and as I revealed to King that there's four in the fire I'll reveal to you that I'm also in the fire with you and I don't know about you but that strengthened my spirit to know that the Lord knew that I'll be here right now the Lord knew I was going to struggle the last two days three if you count today Today wasn't as bad as yesterday, though, thank God. See, it's already getting better, amen? The Lord knew it, though. And he says, Rob, here you have three young men. Here you're going through a, a spiritual fire. They was tossed into a physical fire. And not only tossed, it was heated up seven times hotter. He'd done it so fast that it, they, when they threw the boys in there, it burnt the guys that, throw them, that threw them in there. They were spun out. They had all their clothes on. And the word says that they was in there dancing. No bondage. You mean to tell me the only thing the fire burnt was the ropes? That's it. So that lets me know that the fire that I'm going through might be burning some things away from me that I don't need. Amen. There might be some things that's holding me back that the Lord has to burn sins to get me to set free. That way I can truly be blessed. Maybe. I like to believe that. Why else would I go there? Amen. And then as the story continues, all of a sudden, he pulls them out of the fire. What does he say? Your God is a God because no other God can do what your God did. He did the same thing over and over. Your God's a God. <laughs> no other God could do it. And then just one chapter later. pride he had another dream and he explained it to Daniel and Daniel stood there in fear why he's standing before a king that has killed so many before him for nothing and he said here's the dream I had and he explained the dream to him and he said he can tell that Daniel was scared and he said Daniel don't be afraid just interpret the dream no fear and he interpreted the dream he said, you are that tree that's about to be cut down that reached to the sky, all the way down to the root. If you would just repent 
the root is your kingdom that is going to be restored back to you, okay? If you would just repent. But if you don't, the Lord is going to have you go crazy. I'm paraphrasing here. He's going to drive you crazy. You're going to eat grass, you know, like an animal. You're going to be all by yourself. He dealt with pride. So what does he do? As he's walking, as he's walking, he recalls Daniel telling this. And he's looking out on Babylon and he's saying, I did all this. And in the middle of him saying, I did all that, the Lord spoke to him and said, all this I'm taking away because I'm the God who giveth and the God who takes away. Amen. So his dream started becoming reality because of pride. Here you have a prophet, uh, or not necessarily a prophet, but you might as well call him a prophet, stand before you and interpret your dream not only once but twice to you. You done declare the God that he serves is the God of all gods, not only once but twice. And here he done revealed another, and all that God asked for you to do was repent and turn from your ways. A lot of us are where we're at because we refuse to repent and turn from whatever we're in right now. A lot of us will never grow to the true potential because God is asking us to repent about one thing in our life, but yet our prideful nature says, I don't need to for that. I don't need because that person hurt me, God. I don't need to forgive them. Or, you know, I don't need to give this up, Lord, because my problem was pornography, not drugs. My problem was alcohol, not cigarettes. My problem was this and not my neighbor, you know what I mean? So I don't really have to love my neighbor because I fixed my problem a long time ago. I got this covered. And a lot of us are trapped in in this I mentality. Therefore, once we get into this I mentality, we are then pushed off and we are alone. And we both know, we all know what's going to happen when we're alone. So in closing, I want to share a couple more scriptures that hopefully they can strengthen you in a time that pride starts to rise up. So in summary here, the sin of pride manifests itself in selfish motives. And also an accelerated ego, a low opinion of others, and a disrespect of God. It can lead, other sign, it can lead to other, sign, uh, other sins against God. For example, robbing God of glory that he is due. And it can... It can, it can it, Sorry. And it can and does distort the perception of reality. We fight pride by humbling ourselves before God in prayer, asking him to reveal the pride hidden in our hearts, hidden in our hearts. Acknowledging and repenting of pride when we see it in ourselves and by being transparent with our Christian, Christian family for the sake of accountability and prayer. Accountability. Accountability. That's where we're at. The problem with each and every one of us, we don't want to be accountable to nobody. We're too proudful. The problem that we're not releasing one another from our sins is because we're too proud to share our sins with one another. That's why every time I deal with pride or something, I will somehow expose this flesh for what it is. The reason I always go back and I will share the fact that uh, I have no education and I was dropped out because I'm trying to weaken my flesh of the pride that it has. So what I do is I start calling the flesh for what it is. That's why you hear me say that I deal with addictions. That why you, that's why you, because the more I tell my flesh where it actually deserves, the inner man starts to rise up and starts to take glory for what God has done for me. 
Does it make sense? So the more that we hold ourselves accountable, the more focus we put on the flesh. The more focus you put on the flesh, the more exposed it is. And when you expose it for what it is, the inner man draws from that, and it begins to strengthen itself. And then there's a flip that happens. Then all of a sudden, you forget about what happens on the outside because the inside takes over. Because I can share, I can shine my light with those around me. They can see that through my weakness that God has shown his strength because that's what it's all about. There's a reason why God has called us is because we're all broken in some way. And he called us because he wanted to fix us to show us to the world. Not to put you on a shelf. He called you to share the testimony that you have because there's somebody sitting right next to you that dealt with the same problem. Even with Bobby, he got up there, and I know it took him forever, and I, I know the devil tried to talk him out. He got up here, and he shared his testimony with us. And I know it's hard because everything inside him and even his mind and the devil would say, how is it that you could be in church, and how is it you can be in the presence of God, but yet you still will deal with suicidal thoughts? This don't make no sense. But what the devil did was call him out to bring somebody else out of the darkness. Did you see how that worked? See, it took everything he had to get up there and do that. Because the reason why I took everything he had, because the flesh tried to trap him inside there with that secret. Because with our secret, we become imprisoned, trapped. Why? Because we're scared somebody's going to find out. And when we become scared, the devil comes and he pulls that out on us and says, Hold on now, before you go and pray, I want you to tell them about what you struggled with last night. Before you go and pray, I want you to tell them how you sit through service all day Sunday and the whole thing you can think about is how drunk you got last night. Before you go, and he tries to reveal you your secret. And you know how we are because of pride. We say, no, 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 I'm not going to go. Not going to do it. But if you can fight through it like he did and got up there and say, listen, this is, this is the flesh here. And this is what I dealt with. What happened was it triggered somebody else out there because by our testimony, we are set free. And when it triggered her, she come up here and she set herself free. And there's going to be a domino effect because inside Vandalia, Illinois, there is a principality. There's some kind of darkness that has the keys to suicidal thoughts. And he has been on this community long enough. Amen. I told my wife, hey, listen, whatever we need to do. In order to grow in whatever way, we have to somehow show some kind of awareness for suicide here. Because it is taken over. In South St. Louis, I grew up in an all-black neighborhood. I grew up through violence, drug addiction. But we have never dealt with suicide like I have here. So that lets me know two things. Either drugs is suppressing it, or there's some kind of demonic power that is persuading our young people to take their life that they amount to nothing. The same demonic power that jumped on his back. The same the one that jumped on her back. There's something out there. And if we don't start revealing the battles and the struggles that we're going through, there's no way that we can help set somebody else free. But as a body, if we can say, listen, you too, I too. You, oh, you beat that? Then maybe you can comfort me. Maybe you can strengthen me. How did you do it? If the Lord gave you power over it, then he gave you power to it. Amen? Come on. You don't go ask somebody who's been divorced 15 times how to keep a marriage going. No, you go to somebody who's been married 50-something years, and you sit and you take counseling from them. Why? Because the Lord gave them power to get through it, to use it. Amen? So what we got to do is start uh, holding our flesh accountable. Listen, the, the Bible is full of examples that no one in here is perfect. So why do we act like it? Pride. Pride. 
If we can somehow as a body get this pride to just surrender and put it under the feet of Jesus, we will excel. We will be stronger than ever before. We will be able to branch out and strengthen the community. But first we have to work on ourselves. We have the numbers here. But we're stale because of pride. If we would just fall suit behind a pastor and say, listen, lead us. Lead us. Surrender in our pride and say, lead us. If you would drop your money in the offering and surrender your pride and say, I'm giving to God, not man. I'm giving to God, not this thought here. Believe me, I, 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 hey, I only preach what I went through. I dealt with it too. You think $10, hey, as you get up there higher in wages, it gets higher too. It might still be 10%, but your mind will magnify it, amen? And you start thinking, where's this going? Where's, I don't see no improvement. It starts working on you. But if you just surrender pride and say, listen, Lord, it's all yours anyway. I'm all yours anyway, Lord. If you want me to go expose myself to this person and tell them what you brought me out of, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I want to leave you with some scriptures as I close here just to strengthen you, just in case you're dealing with pride like I have dealt with it and continue for some reason to deal with it. I don't know. Maybe it's, if we can beat this pride, then we can open up another level here. Because I don't know about you, but I want to see signs and miracles. I want to see the laying on hands. I want to see somebody that I know, like a Kevin, who I know has been deaf for so long, be healed. I don't want a testimony of somebody I don't know that don't strengthen my faith. I want a testimony of somebody I know and that I've seen and I've walked through the fire with and I know that God has healed them. So, okay, here's one here. It's in uh, Psalms 10.4. The wicked... The wicked in his proud conscience does not seek God. God is none of his thought, is none of his thoughts, okay? That's in Psalms 10:4. Uh, Psalms uh, 138, verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from afar. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the preserve, or pervert, or perverse mouth I hate, in Proverbs 8.11. By pride, nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom, in Proverbs 13.10. Proverbs 11.12. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. We got to surrender pride. We got to somehow search ourselves and say, Am I measuring myself to others? Am I not content where I'm at? Do I need more when I have enough? Because these are the signs of pride. When you have enough, but yet you want more. Not that more will do it for you, you just need more to fix that desire, that hunger of pride. Okay, Proverbs 29, 23. I only have two more, so we're going to get out of here pretty early. Uh, a man's pride will bring him low, but the, humble, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. And the last but not least, Proverbs 29, 23. And a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Pride. I want you to search your heart tonight, tomorrow, and I want you to ask yourself, Lord, is this, was this message for me? Am I dealing with pride?
And if not, I want you to pray for those like myself that are dealing with pride. Because if we can get rid of pride, if I can surrender my flesh and call it for what it is, then I can deliver those out to who are struggling with things that I've struggled with. But the only way to do it is to acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I'm a sinful man. And without God's grace and mercy, I will continue to do what he has gave me strength to get through. Amen? All right, let's stand. I want to pray before we dismiss. I want to pray against pride. I want to pray uh, against this demonic power that has somehow took captive over Vandalia, Illinois, and has been putting thoughts in not only the minds of our young people but the adults. The, the, this, uh, this thought that you mean nothing, this thought that you'll never add up to nothing, the thought that you're going nowhere. If we can somehow, and I know my wife looks at me like I'm, like I'm crazy, and maybe she's right, but if we can somehow... Share with these people of what they're going to be leaving behind. If we can somehow remove pride and say, listen, it's not about you, but look at all the ones who, because sometimes what they do is they focus on one thing. This person don't love me. But they're losing the vision of all the other ones who do love them. And they don't understand of all the pain that they're leaving behind. And the ones they truly do love them have to deal with and live with. Amen. So I need your help. I need your prayers and thoughts because as a body, if we put together something, some kind of campaign, some kind of billboard, something to draw awareness that you are not alone. And if you would think more about the people that you plan on leaving than about yourself, you'll see that you are loved and you mean something. Because a lot of depression, it all starts, and it even hurt my son. We went around the room and my son, uh, we, we did the old toilet paper game, you know, kind of tricked him a little bit. Hey, show me how much toilet paper you usually use at home. You know, something up like five, six wraps around there, and I'm washing them because I know they come over to my house. They ain't using the bathroom, right? I'm going to slide that newspaper underneath there like, that's all you got, you know? So I'm watching them, but I'm keeping an eye because I know what's going on here. And after they all had their toilet paper, of course, Marcus had a whole big old roll of toilet paper over there. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's about to get it, you know? And I said, okay, the whole purpose of the toilet paper here is however many squares you got, that's, what you ha that's how many times you got to reveal something about yourself. And you should have seen them. Marcus over <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Hey, hey, he only had two strips. I'm looking at him. I'm like, two strips? Man, that could be dangerous. <laughs> Come on now. I was just being honest up here. <laughs> but Dustin revealed something to me, and, and I never known. You know, and, and I go back to Robin Williams. If you know the, the story of Robin Williams, you know, he always made everybody laugh. And, and the thing about comedians and, and comics, they draw from a dark place. And Dustin, he's always been alive around our house. He's always been happy. He was, we always said he's like a, a, you know, a duck in water. I mean, things just rolled off of him. He's like nothing still. And when he got down to his, his, his sheet there, and he ripped it, and he stopped for a minute, and I dealt with depression. And my heart just broke. You know what I mean? Because I always seen him with this life. So I need your prayers, too, because I, hey, if he's dealing with depression, that means he's dealing with other thoughts that come with depression. Self-worth, come on. And we all know what happens when that starts to build on you. When you feel you don't mean nothing, you feel you don't belong, then you feel the world will just continue to go without you. Why not? You know what I mean? So I need your help as a body to try to build some kind of campaign, something that we can put out there, something that we can get to the community and say, listen, you are worth something. If you don't believe me, turn around and look at somebody who means something. Not somebody you're chasing. It's a boy or girl, whatever the situation may be, bullying or whatever. There's, you got to somehow draw attention to what's around you.
that's what's out there. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for the, the words, Lord, that you gave me, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that it somehow strengthens somebody out there, Lord, that's dealing with pride or, or dealing with the, the situation where they're going through a fire, Lord God, and they can't explain it. Lord, they're asking why, and they haven't got the answers yet. But, Lord, as you knew and you prophesied in Isaiah that there was going to be some young men hold captive from the, the Israel, and, Lord, they was going to become slaves. And, Lord, have you blessed them, Lord, just to, to show your strength, Lord, and, and, and have you moved them, Lord, and, and, and turned the king, Lord, into a believer, Lord, that whatever fire, whatever trial that they're going through, Lord God, that somehow that you're going to turn this fiery situation and, and you're going to turn it for your glory. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you can strengthen each and every one of us, Lord. Give us a, the wisdom, Lord, to try to somehow attack this demonic power, Lord, that's going around Vandalia, Illinois, it's telling us, our, our young people, Lord, that they don't mean nothing. And, Lord, I know that you knew them in their mother's womb, Lord, and you do not create anything that don't mean nothing. Lord, that everything that you create has purpose. Everything that you create, Lord, especially us, is in your image, Lord. So, Lord, I know that they have purpose, Lord, and I know that there's some way that they're going to give you glory, Lord, and they're going to show you inside them, Lord. So if you can strengthen us with the wisdom. To, to come up with some campaign, some way that we can fight this demonic power to, to show awareness to the community that, that this is happening all around us. And I know it's something that we don't talk about. It's something that we don't pray about much, but it's something that is real. So, Lord, if you can give us the wisdom, Lord, and the strength to fight this battle, Lord, if we can take the Vandalia community back, Lord, from this darkness, from this principality, Lord, and turn it over to the glory of God, if we can show your strength, Lord, in this weakness, Lord, and show everyone that through God they can get through anything, through God, Lord, that they can be delivered from anything, Lord. They can be set apart, Lord. And then all of a sudden the light will shine and it will ripple effect throughout the community, Lord God. That's what we want, Lord. We just want to show you your strength in their weakness. And, Lord, if you can help build us up as a body, Lord, and strengthen us for one another, Lord. Lord, I want to take pride, Lord, and I want to put it at your feet. Lord, I want to take pride and I want to surrender to you, Lord. That way I can be used the way you have called me to be used. A way that I can surrender this flesh and expose it for what it is. Lord, whatever I'm dealing with, that I can be transparent and say, listen, you're not alone. I too dealt with that. You're not alone that I struggled there and I got through it by doing this or I got through it by reading this. Hey, the only way to get through that is by hitting your knees. Lord, I want to use words of encouragement in some way that I got through a situation they got through. But the only way that I can do that, Lord, is to expose what I went through or what I'm going through. So, Lord, if you can work on our hearts and our minds, Lord, if you can help each and every one of us surrender this pride, the I that is in sin, Lord, and just turn it over to you, Lord, and, have, and let you have your way and use any sin that is in this house to somehow set free and give you glory. I surrender it to you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give him some praise real quick. Thank you. Look at that. We got the shuttle back. Not the pastor. We got the shuttle back. Hold on. here at 7.30, Rob. Yeah. I was back there watching you. I tried to do the cameras, but don't know how to run them. So, do you want me to run the cameras? Look, you, we still got 14 minutes. You can't leave this early. Really? I know. No. No, I just wanted to say, hey, I, it worked. It worked. I woke up in Indiana. I went to Ohio, and I'm back in Illinois. Amen.